In Hebrews 13, 8, we read one sentence. Complete sentence makes up the verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the teachings of Jesus must also be changeless. If he was with God in the beginning, and if without him was nothing made that was made, we have there the beginning of things as we know them, the beginnings of this world, the creation of God. And if he is the beginning and the end, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if it's true that the scriptures say, I am thy God and I change not, if all of these things are true, then it necessarily follows that we are able to partake of something that changes not, that doesn't vary, that is the same for everyone, for the past age and for today and for tomorrow. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer, has been, is, and will be. Very simply put, but the truth nevertheless. In Jeremiah 6, chapter, verse 14, we read, They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. When you refer to a scripture like this, immediately to some people's minds comes one picture, and to other people's minds another picture. When you talk about, let's look for the old paths, wherein you shall find rest for your souls. To some of us who've lived quite a long time, there might be the tendency to think about how things were in the 20s and the 30s and 40s, even the 50s is quite a while ago. We might be likely to think about some great blessing we've received sometime and Always date back to that and say that is the way it was in the old days. And this is the way it ought to be today. But we may not take time to think about how did it happen to come about that day. What kind of a build-up was there for that experience you remember and always refer to as the old days? If the power of God fell and you were able to feel the Spirit of God... Look back and see how it was a few hours before you were able to perceive that that was the Spirit of God. Do you think that maybe some people in the very times that you were in and going through the same experiences, do you think there were some people there that didn't perceive the same thing you felt? 
Could it be that some there didn't make the same rush for the altar to pray at that camp meeting you refer to and pray as you did? And they might not remember the day. You do, but they don't. You all were there, a common experience, but the memory of that is a good one because it was good for you that day. You were ripe for the occasion. You were open for God's blessing. You were ready to say yes when God spoke. And so the fire fell. The Spirit of God was present. The power of God was evident for you to feel and, and perceive. And so that being the case, you opened your heart, you rejoiced. You were open and blessed because the glory of the Lord filled the place and you were one of those who got the blessing. Remember that. Remember ye those old paths. Walk therein. Do as you did in those days that you might have that blessing. To other people, you might talk about the 1960s. To the younger people here, and they might remember how the Lord blessed in the 1960s when they had a revival and how the fire did fall. How the Spirit of God revived their souls. How they, how they rejoiced. To them, those were the old ways. So we aren't talking about calendar dates. We aren't talking about the mode of living. This all changes. Some people are for change, for change's sake. That's not good. Some people are for no change, for no change's sake. That isn't good. There are some things that ought to be changed. God says so. For instance, the heart of man. God teaches us that the heart of man is Evil, wicked, desperately wicked. Who can know it? God says this. God teaches us from this book that in the heart of man, in the first place, there's a degenerate, depraved nature. Now, when God tells us this, he doesn't tell us that we might feel hopeless and doomed and say, well, that's the whole human family's fate, and so I'm one of them, so I'm doomed. No, the Lord teaches us this. And says, this is bad, but that ought to be changed. And he made an arrangement for that change to come about. He made it possible we might not be depraved, degenerate, sinful, and wicked. He made arrangements that we might be made righteous, clean, and holy. That's quite a change. But God, seeing that men must be changed, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, to die for the ungodly, that we who were sinners might be made saints. That we who were guilty might be guiltless. So, the heart of man must be changed. You must not be satisfied to say, I'm for no change, for no change's sake. I want things as they are, and I won't allow anyone to change it. Oh, you mustn't stop there. No. You must be for change when God says it ought to be changed. And you must be for no change when God says leave it as it is. And there's a difference. Some people have one notion about what they think is important and some people another. There are some people who are so straight on one certain point that they get from the Bible that they are uh, way over backwards and out of balance on some other points. But believe you me, they have one thing straight and they're going to align everybody to that and they, they really believe that. Well, it's good to be straight 
on those things that God says be straight about, but it also is good to be balanced that we might not be overwhelmed by our straightness and be guilty of something worse. Yes, many things should be changed, but there are some things that we dare not change. There are a few fixed points that we must leave as they were. Unless we do, we never know where we are. The fact that this book is the Bible, that this Bible is God's holy word, and that this Bible is God's revelation to man, that it's all true, that's inspired of God, that holy men of old wrote as they were inspired of God and gave us this as God's lesson, God's chart for us. We must let this be as it is. We must let that settle and stay there. For if you don't, if this is only one book among many, then how will you choose the book? Where will you find the right one? What will be your measure? If this Bible only contains the Word of God, that would infer that some of it is not the Word of God. If, if you accept that premise, then who's going to decide for you which is true and which isn't? Which is of God and which is not? So, one good point to start with is that this Bible is God's Word and that we honor it as such and stand for it, for it as such and say, among all the things that need to be changed, one thing we dare not change is our understanding of what this book is, what it says, what it speaks, who it speaks to, and why it speaks as it does. It speaks to us from God that we might know how to change certain things and how to leave some things as God left them. This is one point. The other points in this Bible, simple ones, but nevertheless important ones, are as fixed as any point God ever established, and all these points in the Bible are, and they are there for a purpose that we might have moorings, points of reference, understanding of what God said to us, that we might be right with God. Repentance, for instance. John the Baptist came preaching repentance before the time of Christ's preaching. He said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ came preaching repentance. He said the same thing. Paul taught repentance. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. These men of old, these teachings from the Bible, teach us then that people should repent. And unless you repent of your sins, you will only be slightly healed. You won't be healed. Spiritual healing we're speaking of now. One thing wrong with the people of Israel in Jeremiah's time, and he told them so, was that they were healed slightly. They were healed a little. Now what could this mean to us? This might mean that we come into a Christian atmosphere. We hear the songs. We enjoy the music. We listen to the sermon. We lend our assent. And we agree so far. We may even hear the preacher call out for everyone to repent. And he might say, the crooked and perverse generation that we live in have a great need. And that need is repentance. And you might say, he's speaking the truth. I know it comes from the Bible. It's all there, all right. But you might say, well, as far as I'm concerned, I get along pretty well as I am, and 
So I just feel a blessing as I come and go and pay my bills and be good to my neighbors and be a decent citizen. That might be all right so far, but are you going to be satisfied with being slightly healed? Are you going to come only so far and then leave it there? Or are you going to say, if the Word of God tells me that I should leave all the things that are sinful behind me, I should quit all things that God could not bless, I should leave all of the ungodly, unclean, or questionable things around about me, I should drop them off and leave them behind me and never go back to them. Aren't you willing to do that? If you aren't, then you are only slightly healed. You might come into a church and be accepted. You might offer yourself for a membership. You might go forth and join the church. You may carry your part of the financial burden. You might pay your tithes and do all of that. But nevertheless, you want to be more than slightly healed. You want to really have the victory. You want God to bless you and not to pronounce a curse upon you. You want to have the real thing and not just so-so, not just part way. Now, this is easy to do. It has been done. I have been there myself. I have already joined the church when I was a teenager. I had been through the motions. I had listened to the questions. I'd answered the questions, and I'd said yes. But some of the questions I answered under duress of conviction... I answered because I'd be afraid not to answer them the way I did. For instance, if people ask you, do you believe the Bible is God's word? Why, everybody here this morning, I suppose, would say, well, yes. Those who are listening to the radio broadcast would say the same thing, or they wouldn't be wasting their time listening to a church broadcast, would they? They're interested in knowing what God says, and, and they, they believe it. They believe the Bible is God's word. But believing it with our head... And really knowing it with our heart is only slightly healed. This is only coming part way. In my own experience, when I went forward to the church and they asked me these questions, they said, do you believe the Bible? I said, yes. Do you believe that, God's word, uh, that God gave us his son, Jesus Christ, to save us? I said, yes. I said, will you accept him as your savior? And I said, yes, because I felt this way. I felt if I, I, me, if I were to say, no, I don't believe the Bible, or no, I won't accept Christ as my Savior. That would be the same thing as slamming the door in his face, an insult to God, a, a blasphemy. I felt, well, of all things, not me, I would never say, no, no, I don't accept Jesus Christ. Of course I do. I believe him. I heard about him. I, I know he's in the Bible. So you come to, up through some of those questions, you may only get slightly healed. You may just have a little answer. You may answer rightly and... It may, it may pass muster, but you want more than to give the right answers. You want to have the real victory. Amen. You want to have the power of God transform your life. So to know Jesus Christ and to know Him as your Savior and to accept Him as your Savior is to take Him for your Lord and Master and to follow Him in all things that you do. Listen to Him when He speaks and obey Him and honor Him in everything you do or say or think. This is what God expects of you. And unless you are willing and ready to say, yes, I will do this, then you may only be slightly healed. We don't want the new way if it only does part of the job, do we? We don't want to come part way and change things and say, well, just to change my mind is enough. Well, you can change your mind several times every day. And most of us do. We have certain notions we we have them for a while, and we soon change them. Well, even our language changes. Listen to the younger generation. They have some phrases and some words that 
us older people don't know what they mean, scarcely. And even they will change them from this year to next year. Ask them about some of the things they were saying three years ago. Well, that's old hat. That's all changed. That doesn't go anymore. So a lot of things change around about us, but God's Word hasn't changed. That call to repentance still speaks to the hearts of those who speak this language or that one. If they're this color or that color. If they lived 40 years ago or if they lived this morning. If they were here when there was sawdust on this floor and when they only used this building at camp meeting time, way back there, and straw around the altars. Or if they're here now when we have uh, hot water heat in the wintertime and air conditioning in the summer. All of this has changed all right. It's a different place. Where Brother Booth testifies about having come in here as a boy. And he came in a few years ago after having been gone for years and came in and said he was a surprise. He hardly knew the place. He hardly, hardly knew, knew what goes on. Why? Because the people are different. Different people here now. A new generation. And that changes every few years. But, and things look different. The building was arranged differently. And campground looked different around here. It looked different. But one thing he heard, the same thing, was the call of the Master. The same God who was calling young men way back there when he said no was still calling middle-aged men when he came around now to give it a little more serious thought. He learned a few things by now, and he felt the call of God. So he didn't want any more of this slight healing business. He didn't want something to just make him feel better for now and go on out and forget it. No, no. That's not what he looks for now. Now he looks for the old-time faith. Give me the old paths, he says. I may not know the faces. He wouldn't have known me. I wasn't here way back there, I guess, when he was a boy. But he wouldn't have known many of these people around here. But one thing he could recognize, and that was they still prayed. They still had an altar up here at the front where they'd gather and pray. And they'd get down and pray, and he did. And he began to pray. And he prayed then. He still prays, prays here now. So after a while, he found that things have changed, but God has changed not a bit. And the plan of God's salvation is just as real, just as up to date, and as effective for you now as it was in those good old days. Those days when you felt the fire. If you don't feel the fire today, are you going to say it's because things have changed? It doesn't make any difference, really, if you sit on an auditorium chair like that, or if you sit on those benches made out of long slats we used to have, does it? It doesn't make any difference if you're in a, in a building here that's warm and comfortable and everything is arranged, or if you were somewhere where they didn't have fire to heat the building. It makes no difference, really, if you just face it. Oh, it's better to be comfortable. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is to listen when God speaks. Amen. And if the Lord is speaking, why not say, those things that are changing, I'm not going to worry about. But the things that should not change and will not change, I'm going to adjust to them. Yes. Now, if God isn't going to change His Word, and He isn't, it's the same as it has been. He spoke and it stands. Then, if that isn't going to change, and if your notions have been crosswise with it, there's only one thing to do. That's to change your notions, to line up to it and say, if God says, repent, that my sins will send me to hell, then there's nothing else for me to do but to leave off those sins, quit them and turn my back upon them and come and face it. And if you will, God, for Christ's sake, will forgive you for what you've done. Forgive every sin you've committed, blot them out, never to remember them against you anymore. And even God doesn't remember them in. They're all forgiven and forgotten. And how good is that? That's better than you can do. Some of the things you have done, you might never re forget. You might re regret the rest of your life. You might have some embarrassing thoughts when you think about certain things you did even as a sinner. Way back there years ago, I have. I have some things I'd rather forget. Well, God's forgotten them, so I try to forget them too and not 
hash them over again and bring them up again and again. But nevertheless, I, I have that remembrance there, that memory of the fact that those things I did. So God can do better than I can. Because God can really forget and God can forgive. I would have a hard time forgiving myself, wouldn't you? Some things that you had done or nearly did and you can see the danger of all of that. You can say, oh, why, why? And you hardly realize it was you. So you can hardly forgive yourself. But God forgives. So when God forgives and forgets, we have to forgive ourselves. Then if we can do that, we can forgive others too. And we have to. Because God forgives us our sins as we forgive our brother who's transgressed against us. And by the same measure, so that necessarily follows then, we'll never get forgiveness of God unless we're willing and ready to forgive those who sinned against us. Because as God forgives us, we forgive them. Or else God's forgiveness doesn't cover our own sins. So let's believe that the Lord hears and answers prayer, but He hears it His way. Still the same way. If you had a grudge against someone years ago and you couldn't get your prayers through then, they aren't going through yet. God hasn't changed a bit. If you hit a snag a long time ago and you got something in your craw against someone and, and a certain feeling there that you ought not to have had, well, you've just got it. That's all there is to it unless you repent of that and say, I'll forgive it. I'll forget it. I'll leave it all behind me. Don't you blame the preacher if he preaches to you the Word of God and points out some of the shortcomings and sins in your own life. And you say, oh my, it seems as if he can read my mail. Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe he doesn't even know you're there. Maybe he hasn't even heard about your problem. But God knows all about it. God reads your mail, literally. What you receive and what you write. What you read and what you hear. What you say and what you think. All of this is an open book with God. So you cannot hide from God. God is calling you to come to Him today. God's dealing with individual hearts in this building and persuading them that they ought to turn from sin and turn to God. Are you going to be healed? Or only slightly healed? Are you going to take conviction for conversion and let it go at that? Are you going to think, well, I feel miserable, I oughtn't have done it, and I guess I won't do any more? Well, you could stop doing those sins and start doing right today. But those sins behind you are still in the book, and they must be blotted out. And you can't blot them out. Your good behavior won't erase it. All your goodwill and good news Year's resolutions and all of that will never avail. No, you literally might straighten up and do right from now on out. But those things you have done, they're still coming behind you. Why not let them go ahead? Why not get them all in one bundle and say, If the Lord can forgive me, I'll forgive myself. And if the Lord will help me to repent, I truly will. And if you'll act like that and talk like that, pray like that, you'll have forgiveness. You'll love everybody. You'll have no enemies because you can love even your enemy. The Word says He makes even our enemies to be at peace with us. Yes, that's because God does all of this. That's the victory. That isn't slightly healed. That's healed altogether. That isn't just accepting Christ and, and going on as you were before. No, that's accepting Christ to the extent you let Him make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, the Word says. So it isn't a matter of what we think of ourselves, nor say of ourselves, nor what people say of us. No, if we are in Christ, we are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Not slightly healed, but really healed. Amen. Not partially saved, but really saved. Yes. Not I think I am, but I know I am. Not my, I joined the church, but the Lord saved me, and His Spirit tells me so. Isn't that what you want? Amen. 
Isn't that the best? Yes, that's the best. That's the old paths. Oh, it isn't the same as far as the looks of the building is concerned. And we all don't look the same as we did 30 years ago. No, but one thing is sure, the gospel is the same. The Lord's love is the same. God's mercy is the same. But we have to come the same way to get it. Will you come? Will you pray? Why let this slip from your grasp? Why don't you do it? Why don't you say, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to seek to be saved. I'm going to seek to be sanctified. I'm going to seek to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Don't let it slip. Reach out then. Take hold of it. And God will give you the victory this very hour. The altar is open for prayer.